Just so thankful that I have a moment to get together with you, to talk with you a little bit about how good God is and to just kind of continue our thought from last week about being seated with Jesus. We, we live risen by being seated with Jesus. Uh, last week, we kind of hit a couple scriptures. I just want to hit a couple uh, scriptures to kind of put you in remembrance again of what we talked about last week. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. That word power there means God's ability, uh, mighty deed, miracle, supernatural power. So he raised Jesus up by his power supernaturally and the same breath he raised us up supernaturally with Jesus. All right, now if we go to Ephesians 1.20, it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, which he, capital H-E, God, worked in Christ when he raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Not only did he raise him from the dead, but he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We know that the right hand of the Father is significant of power, authority, uh, Jesus has been given the name that's above every other name. So he is seated at the Father's right hand. The Father uses his name as the preeminent name in all of the universe. Uh, we know this. We know that the name of Jesus is above every other name. And that is great news. Uh, but he was raised and seated. We consequently, consequently were raised and seated. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6 says this, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He was raised and seated so that we could be raised and seated to a new life. This means the same authority that Jesus has with its rights and privileges, uh, like the king here and now on earth, we have those same rights and privileges. Now, a lot of people will fight you tooth and nail and say that God's the only preeminent being. And absolutely, we say that, yes, he is the only preeminent being. But we have to live risen with him. So when we get a seat at the table, we are eating everything that the king eats. We are taking uh, the pleasure of a wonderful cooked meal, the same thing the king is eating. We're partaking and eating that same way. We're seated and we're raised. And we have to get that thought in our head. We're seated, we're raised. This means we have the same authority, rights, and privileges as the king. Now, check this out. Not according to our own works, but we were raised together and we are seated together with Jesus on the basis of what good work he did for us. This covenant has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with you. The covenant was not cut. It was not made between man and God. It was made between Jesus, who was both God and man, and they made this beautiful covenant together and the way that you and I get right into the thick in the midst of that covenant, right in the middle of it is believe. I believe 
that I'm going to cease from my works and trust that what Jesus has done for me was enough to restore me to a place at the king's table. You remember the story about Mephibosheth where David wanted to show kindness to the house of Jonathan and he found out that Mephibosheth was lame from his feet. Uh, he was dropped as a child as he was, and then he was lame for the rest of his life. And, and David said, I want to show kindness. So he said, Mephibosheth will always eat at the king's table. Old Testament type and shadow. What we're seeing there is we always will have a seat at the father's table, at the king's table to enjoy the provision and the blessings and everything that comes with that. Um, we're going through this life with the wonderful, unfair advantage of the name of Jesus. And I'm so thankful that anybody who believes and trusts in the name of Jesus has that same distinct, wonderful advantage over the enemy in this lifetime and a distinct advantage of favor with everybody that we come in contact with. It's totally unfair and it's so great because all I have to do is say, yes, Lord, I believe that what you did was enough. Man, there's something on the inside of me that just resonates about that. Okay, well, great. Now what? Okay, so now we've taken it from where we were last week, that we understand that we're, we're risen with Christ and we're seated with Christ. We have all the authorities, the rights, the privileges. We have a seat at the table with the king. Now what we do is we do something uh, with our thinking, our speaking, and our living. This is our part. This is what we do to stay in the reality of living risen and seated. Are you ready? James 1, through 25 in the Amplified Version says this, but be doers of the word, obey the message, not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into the deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. Let's go back on this, on this verse 22 right now. As we read the truth, we allow it to transform our thinking by obeying it as the supreme word in our lives. What we say about scripture is scripture has a supreme say in my life. I don't have the say to, to uh, hate somebody because Jesus said to love everyone and to forgive. And that's been a mandate that he's given us because he's forgiven us. So that's the mandate in my life. I make that supreme, that word of truth. When we don't make the truth, God's word, our, our reality, which is thinking, speaking, and living, and live another way, we actually deceive ourselves. We actually think that we can live risen and seated with Jesus and all its benefits without living, thinking, speaking, living according to the truth. And that's where we've got to stay trucking with the truth, man. We got to stay trucking with the truth, stay with the truth, stay with the truth and do everything that we can do to live out a gospel that's been bought and paid for, that we've received by faith through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 23, for if anyone listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror for he thoughtfully observes himself, remembering what he looks like, then goes off promptly and forgets what he was like. Your mom or dad ever say this to you when you were younger? You know, you say, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. And they said, what's your last name? <laughs> Kanata. Is their last name Kanata? No. Well, that doesn't matter then. What matters is, is your last name is Kanata and you live under Sam Kanata's rules. That's, that's, 
That's how it ran in my house. It was a, it was a good system. I'll tell you, but we can't do that nowadays with the touchy-feely that we got going on. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, you know, it, it was a simple system. I understood. I knew. Um, I had a healthy fear of my dad uh, for, for most of my teenage life, all the way up into adulthood. Uh, just a healthy fear because I respected authority. And I think that's what gave me my respect and love for God. But it tainted it in some ways because we know that a father's love is not always the same as your heavenly father's love. No matter how hard I tried to parent my kids and to do the best that I could with what I had, even what I was going through or what was going on in my life, I still was totally imperfect and showed them imperfect pictures of, of, of who God is. And so over those years, I'd have to go back and say to my boys, hey, I am really sorry that I did A, B, and C, or man, I'm so sorry that I gave you the impression that, you know, had to go back and just had to make those things right and make them understand that God is an incredible good God that doesn't expect you to work for your salvation. He just expects you to simply believe and receive what Jesus has done for you and grab hold of it and live it, think it, speak it. For uh, we, we forget who we are and we start to live a very natural-like existence. No supernatural living with all its benefits, just natural according to what you can produce or what the world gives you. Then verse 25 says this, But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and perseveres in looking into it, not being a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing, his life of obedience. Herein lies the beautiful truth that's simple and attainable. We simply keep our focus on being and living seated with Christ through our thinking, our speaking, our living, and obey or do what the word says to do. This is the simple measuring stick for our lives. Belief, Lord, I believe that what you said is true, and I receive that for my life and start to live in the reality of this. Well, again, what I'm trying to get you to do is I'm trying to get you to change your thinking. Change your thinking. Think to, I mean, John G. Lake used to do this. He would look into the mirror and, he'd, and, he'd, and they used to wear suits, you know, three-piece suits and ties and everything. That's how they dressed every day, no matter what was going on. That's how they dressed. And so he would look and he'd say, God, lives in this suit of clothes. He got to the point where he understood who lived in him. He wasn't God. Make no mistake, he was not God, but he knew that God lived within him and he lived and acted like God lived within him. We want to get to this point more and more each day that we're seeing that goodness and that mercy of God just well up in our lives. We don't do this. Let me make, make no mistake. We're gonna, I, I have to take you back to a grace thought. We don't do this to get it. We don't think, live, or think, speak, and live to get it. There's nothing that we do to get it. We simply believe and we've got it. We simply believe that Jesus paid the ultimate price and has given us a seat at the father's table. End of story, end of statement. Now, I remember growing up in an Italian family and man, 
life was spent around the, the, the dinner table, the lunch table, whatever it was. We, we spent our lives around the table. We had a, a, a very unique situation. My grandmother had an apartment in the, in the basement of my aunt and uncle's house. And my grandmother lived there. So all the traffic from our families, my aunt Rosetta and her family, my dad and our family, all the traffic went through that house through that house. So we spent a lot of time at the table. When I walked in, I never had to worry, well, is Ma gonna feed me if I come? My grandmother, there, there's, she always had way more than she ever needed because just in case anybody dropped in, and that was always the case, somebody dropped in. Ma had five for dinner and all of a sudden she's got eight for dinner. You know, that's just how it was. I understood the concept of having a place at the table. I want you to understand the concept of having a place at God's table. Let's look at this one last simple truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creature, uh, new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. We are completely a new being in Christ Jesus. But all things are from God, who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, and brought us into harmony with himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. When I read that scripture, the Holy Spirit within me just absolutely identifies and resonates with that feeling of I'm in great standing with my father. I have a place at the table. We choose to cling to the belief that Jesus' perfect work forever secured our place at the father's table to eat any and everything that the king himself eats. It was, I mean, there's so many pictures at the table that we could have. I, mean, I could preach about about the Father's table. Maybe we will do a series on that, the Father's table. But just understanding that I have a place and I'm seated with Christ Jesus. All the authority. If someone walked in and blew in the door and wanted to take one of us away that was sitting at the table, that's going to happen over dead bodies. That's just how it was. You know what I mean? I mean, your family had your back. I mean, I grew up in an Italian family that was close and we had each other's back. We did not, you know, uh, gut each other or stab each other in the back. I mean, as family, he had each other's back. I understood that. And I understand how I'm seated at the table means so much more. And I want you to think that way. I don't want you to think of how you've grown up or I don't want you to think of, of you know, maybe uh, the person who always told you you couldn't do it or the person who always kind of held you down in your life. Don't think that way. Think freer with me. Think I'm risen, I'm seated, and I have a seat at the Father's table. Uh, in verse 19, it was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. I want to say that again, but canceling our trespasses and committed to us the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. Verse 20 and 21 is all that's left. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We as Christ's personal representatives beg for you, uh, 
for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. There it is. We lay hold of this right standing by thinking, speaking, and living because his divine favor is completely ours. People think it's, it's, it's pride to sit at the father's table as a proud son or a proud daughter, knowing that I have as much right to be at this table as my brothers do, as my father does. That's not pride. That's living within sense of an entitlement to God's goodness and his blessings. Not an entitlement where we're not thankful or forgetful, but an entitlement in this way saying, God, everything that you said you have, I have. And for your glory, I'm gonna let that be the fruit of my life. This is something that's amazing that we can grab hold of. Last verse, for our sake, he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through him, we might become endued with, viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Understanding that we are right now in this position this covenant, again, is between God and his son, Jesus, ratified by the blood of Jesus. The only part you had to play was believe, faith. Believe is your connection into this living reality that we have in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm so glad that I was able just to take some things in God's word and get you to start thinking differently. I'm telling you, when they say, you know, only 30% of people make it through this procedure say, praise God, I'm the 30. I'm not the 70%. I'm the 30% because I have the favor of God living on my life. And because of that, I'm the 30% that gets healed. I mean, we've got to start thinking this way. We've got to start thinking entitled. Entitled not meaning entitled in a spoiled, rotten way. Entitled, entitled in the way that a father would want a son or daughter to be entitled to be grateful, to be thankful, and to sit at the table with something to contribute, something that you brought to the table to share with everybody that's there. That's the position that God wants us to have in Christ Jesus. And I know that's where he wants you to live. Listen, if, if you haven't been living uh, for Jesus, and you've never asked him to be Lord of your, own, of your life, I wanna pray with you right now. And, and if you're with us, um, through this YouTube video and, and you've uh, asked Jesus into your heart, but man, you just have not been living that way and you wanna make a, you wanna make a change and a turn, I wanna pray with you as well. We're gonna pray something all together and I pray that as you pray these words, if, if this is you and you want to receive Jesus or you wanna make a new stand for Jesus, I pray that these words would just absolutely resound and resonate in your heart as we pray. Pray these words with your heart, from your heart with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you now for your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your love toward me. I receive forgiveness of sins. I thank you, Father, and I repent and thank you that I'm forgiven. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Listen, if you prayed that right now 
absolutely and totally, you have flipped the switch and something supernatural is going to change in your life. I guarantee you. Uh, something powerful, miraculous just happened in your living room as you're watching this. Uh, as, if you're with us for the very first time, God bless you. Thank you so much. I hope that when we open, you could actually come and visit. It would be great to see you. Uh, those of you who are part of the Chapel family, love you so much. Checking on you, praying, calling, texting. If any of you have any type of need or a bill that you can't pay, we have had benevolence funds set aside during this time to help uh, our chapel family. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you, uh, down on the bottom of the screen right now, you could see my phone number, 352-229-1319. Give me a call or a text, uh, or my uh, email address is jcanata, J-C-A-N-N-A-T-A, 1985 at gmail.com. Uh, we are just so glad that you um, have decided to be a part of this church family and. And we, we say it every week, but it's true. We are all about family and we are all about ministering to the needs of those in our body and to building them up and helping them to walk a risen and seated life with Jesus. God bless you guys. I love you. Jesus is coming. Be blessed.